as you can tell, Matt's not here. And uh, when I think of like me talking, I think of less sermon and more devotional. So let's just take it as that, more devotional. And so what I've been thinking about recently a lot is reactions, like how we react and how we respond to things. And I tried to get it on video, but I didn't. Knox um, responds really differently to Sadie, to me, and then to Kristen. So when I get home, Knox is really excited. She's like, dad, dad, dad. But when Kristen gets home, she's like, can't even speak. She's like, shakes, climbs off the couch, like goes to the door. Kristen doesn't live at her house. When Kristen comes to her house, not when she gets home. Um, Knox has these huge reactions to her. But she also is very good at telling us if she doesn't want something. So um, she recently learned to be able to say uh, like the O sound. So now she like points and says, go, like you go get out of here. Maybe Pat has experienced this, yeah. Uh, sometimes like we'll go on a walk and she doesn't want Sadie and I to talk, so she just like puts her hands like this and goes, ah, ah. Or like if Sadie and I are discussing a uh, topic, she'll just go, ah, just like stop. Um, today, or this week, she learned the N sound for no. So she's like, no, no. Um, sometimes she'll just shake her head, and sometimes she just, just does this, like, you, no more. Um, and there's some things she doesn't like, like green veggie straws. Um, she hates getting her teeth brushed right now. She doesn't like getting her port accessed when we go to Riley. Um, and then this week was a new one that I hadn't seen for a while, and I did get this on video, and so hopefully Paul can play this. This is, um, let's see if it works. What? What not? Is it commercial? Yeah. Do you need something? Yeah. What? Uh. Skip the commercial. She's oh, just okay. like, that's it. That's the whole video, hopefully. Uh, she's just like, excuse me. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? We're watching commercials on YouTube. Like, Ryan's World should be back by now. Um, and... I don't know if you remember this. Last week, Matt talked a little bit about this question of, I don't know what to do about fill in the blank. And it's funny when Knox is like, go or no, or like, excuse me. Um, but I thought that this week about, um, well, I, I thought about the Hendersons and wondered if Paul in his head wished he could be a little bit more like Knox, just like look at a situation in life and just be like, Excuse me, like, what, what's going on here? Why this? Um, and uh, for us, like, this came up a little bit too in life. Um, sometimes it can be something small-ish, like just an annoying conversation at work where you're like, John, you're a CFO. Why are you telling the marketing person how to, like, design the homepage. Like, this is so dumb. Like, stay in your lane, man. Um, or something bigger, like, I thought I was going to have a really big tax bill. I think it's going to be less, but I was like, why would I owe that much money? Um, or a month ago, so October 11th, just one day they, like, laid off half the company at where I work. So I still have a job, but, you know, 24 other people don't. Um, or for us, Sadie's dad 
ended up in the hospital, then rehab. He went back to the emergency room this weekend. Or then, of course, cancer and Down syndrome. This, it can be small things, but it can be bigger things. And we each have them. It can be different stories. Um, but I wonder if in our heads we wish we could just be like, uh, <laughs> like, excuse me. Um, and Sadie and I were joking, and she's like, she said, yeah, like maybe, wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be nice if you could just say, like, I'll take a rain check. But I thought, as we talked about it, like, that's not actually it. Because a rain check is like, I'm playing golf, it starts raining, I quit, I go get a rain check, and now I can come back and continue the thing. Like, I actually would rather not continue the thing. Like, more I want a refund, or like just an exchange. Like, let me take this thing that somebody thought was a good present for me, and just give it back and get something better. And I wonder if we think that with God sometimes, if we could just be like, here you go, I'll have this life instead. Um, and so what we really maybe want is a refund, something small, it could be something big. I wonder if you've ever been there, and it could be something small, it could be something big, where you just think like, excuse me, this is not uh, what I signed up for. So I'm gonna, we're gonna share a little bit about that today. And I wanna think about two things. One is how we can respond to others in these circumstances, and then how we can respond ourselves. So, how we respond to others. When I think about this, I think of the story of Job and Job's friends, and like throughout a lot of Job, they kind of get things wrong, maybe. I don't know if wrong is the right word, but they're sort of like start telling Job, like maybe you did something that caused all this, and maybe you, like you need to repent or you need to do something, like you're kind of the problem here. Um, and question, they're the ones that start questioning God. But before they do that, they actually do something good, I think. And in Job 2, right after all the initial tragedy, and I looked at this, the initial tragedy was Job lost all of the animals, all the farmhands, and while they were still talking, another servant came and said that a fire from heaven came down and burned up all the sheep and shepherds. And while they are still talking, another servant came and told them that some people had come and stole all the camels and servants. And while they're still talking, another servant came and said, all your sons and daughters were at the older brother's house and the house collapsed and they all died. And then the next tragedy is Job gets boils head to toe. And this is the initial response of the Job's friends. Uh, when three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. When they saw him from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. And I think that this is true. Sometimes in suffering or when times of unknown happen, people just want somebody to sit with them. Like, not give all the right answers and not give a bunch of Bible promises that are true, but sometimes it might take a minute. And it might be like more than a minute. <laughs> like it might be an hour or a day, or in this case, seven days of just nobody said anything. They just sat there. Uh, and I think it's probably hard for us to do that in our world and culture. Um, but I think that that's good. 
Sometimes people just want to know that you're there. Um, I'm going to tell a story. I don't really know how it fits, but it's just going to be a cathartic uh, experience for me. That's the word I was looking for. So the day that a bunch of people from my company got fired, I went to this luncheon. And there were some people there that I knew, some people there that I didn't know. Now I was at a table of people I didn't know. And after the talk, there was conversation around the table. And um, I don't know what, what the question was, but I shared a bunch of people at my company got fired like two hours ago. That's why I was late, because I was on the phone with some of them talking about like what in the world. And these people that I didn't know just started telling me about like how things are going to work out and things are going to be great. This might actually be like a good thing. Like now I can share Jesus with my friends at work. And I was like, yo, like maybe not. Or like just pump the brakes a little bit here. And so I said something like, I think that stuff is true, but I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in people's lives that we don't always see. And so we should be careful about advice that we give. And, uh, then this guy told this story about how he ran a marathon and the last six miles were like really tough and his legs were so stiff and couldn't bend. And I was like in my head thinking, like, first I want to, like, I just said this thing and now you're still telling me another thing. I just want to like punch him kind of. And I'm also like, so you had to run like six miles, like, and it was tough. Like if you ran a 10 minute mile, that's like an hour. So you had like an hour of hard times. Some of us have been like going through months and years of hard times, and now you're like just telling me to just like push through. It's like sometimes you don't know like what the pushing through is. Like, is that next week things will get better? Next year? Like maybe never? Um, and I was like, I don't know. I just stopped talking. And then after the thing was done, he was like, came up to me on the side and was like, hey. You know, I'd love to get coffee with you sometime if you want to just chat about some of this stuff, da-da-da-da-da. And I started to do, like, the thing you do where you're like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, I'm kind of busy, so we'll have to plan it out. And I just, I started saying that, and I said, no, nah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> like, I don't want to get coffee with you. Like, there's nothing about the last 10 minutes that makes me think I want to sit with you ever. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, feel free to do that. Just tell somebody <laughs> that's not going to work. Uh, uh, I don't feel like a kindred spirit to you. Anyways, thanks for listening to my story about just sit with people. Just be with them. Um, and maybe ask, how's it going? But maybe just say, that really sucks. Um, then I thought of how we can respond. So that's with other, how we can respond to others. But how, what can we do ourselves? In, in the story of Job, uh, Job says in Job 1, after the first set of tragedy, kind of he says, the Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. And in Job 2, he said, should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? And so I was thinking about that and I just said we gotta sit with things a bit, um, but we also have to do something. And so uh, I think how we respond in times of unknowns 
we're suffering. To me, I'm, when I say unknowns, I mean my job right now, I literally don't know. Like, pff, could we, like, do they exist like in three months? I have no idea. I have just zero idea if like I have whatever. And suffering, I think of cancer and Down syndrome. So that's what I'm thinking in my head. Put in your head something unknown and something suffering. Um, and so I've been thinking about this a lot, but I didn't really know what today would look like. And so I just Googled, like, uh, I heard the phrase suffering in the Psalms. So I just Googled Psalms and suffering. And I thought, like, I'm a good American Christian. This is how you find Bible answers. Um, and one person's blog that I found, I don't even know who it was, said, when there's times of unknown, we can do three things. We can pray, remember that all things have been overcome, and rely on God's word. And I read through that, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But then I thought, actually, I think those things should be flipped. Like, first you should rely on, like, go to God's word first, because if you aren't really sure what, what's there, then when you pray, you're kind of just praying, like, that classic verse of Philippians, like, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer, supposition, like, present your request to God, and the peace that under, passes all understanding. It's like, what if I don't really think there's peace that's going to pass any understanding? Like, that's a nice phrase, but, like, what if I don't really think that? Like, maybe I need to get to the point first of, I believe that God is somehow capable of providing peace, versus just, like, peace, <laughs> like, get it, or whatever. It's like, I don't know, that doesn't work. Um, so I'm, I, I did that, and in that blog, this person highlighted Psalm 18, which we read, and then I thought, I'm just going to read Psalm 18, and uh, then I thought, I'm just going to tell you guys about Psalm 18, and so that's the devotional for today. So Psalm 18, first, there's a bunch of things that David says, and I didn't make slides because I don't have capacity to make slides, so just look it up on your phone or something. Um, David says a bunch of stuff. God shows up and does a bunch of stuff. Things change for David, and then he praises God. And so this isn't like, I don't know if this is like good theology or whatever. I didn't check anything. I just, this is my thoughts. And so Psalm 18, 1 through 2, which we read, uh, and this is all I did. You can do this at home. I printed it out, and I underlined all the things that said, God is what? My rock, my strength, my fortress, my savior, my shield, my place of safety. That stood out to me. It's all these things that he believes that God is. And then he says, I called and God saved me. I cried out, he heard me. So it's like, okay, he believes some stuff and then he does something and then God responds. He like acted. I cried out and I called out to God. He saved me and he helped me. Uh, that was one through six. Verses seven through 15, God just shows up. So then I underlined all the things that God did. Uh, the foundations of the mountain shook because of his anger. So I underlined anything that said his, his anger. He opened the heavens and came down. He flew. He shrouded himself in darkness. He thundered from heaven. He shot his arrows and scattered his, en his enemies. The, uh, yeah, whatever. The foundations of the earth were laid bare. Like, God doesn't just kind of show up. He's, like, really present. Uh, and then the next section, 16 through 
19, God intervenes. So he's there, but now he's going to do something. Verse 16, he reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies. The Lord supported me. He led me. He rescued me. He rewarded me. He restored me. Uh, that's amazing. And this is where I think, like, if you're going to pray for the peace that passes understanding, like, what are you praying for? Like, what is the peace? I think you're praying that you'll be supported, that you'll be led, that you'll be rescued, that you'll be rewarded. And then, further on, verse 30 through 36. God's way is perfect. The promises prove true. He's a shield. He makes my way perfect. This is him um, providing. Makes my way perfect. Makes me as sure-footed as a deer. Trains my hand for battle. Strengthens me. He's a shield of victory. Your right hand support me. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. And then David responds in some ways. And again, this is just me looking at like the words me. Now, like there's all these you, you, you stuff. Now there's me. You've armed me. You have subdued my enemies. You placed my foot on their necks. I don't know what that means. I have destroyed all who hated me. You gave me victory. You appointed me the ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. Now, I don't think this is like thinking in my work situation that I like need to step on people's necks and that they need to start serving me. I don't, that's not like the, my interpretation here. The interpretation is God is bigger than fill in the blank. Um, and then the last section of verse 46 through 50. The Lord lives, praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. He subdues the nations under me. He rescues me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach. You save me. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed. Um, so I think that just in the Psalms, there is this, here's where I'm at. Here's where God shows up. Here's how I respond. At least that's what I saw in this, uh, this psalm, Psalm 18. Now, there was a chunk that I just skipped, and I want to talk about it. And this is verse 20 through 24. And in this thing, in this verse, it says, verses, you rewarded me for doing right. You restored me because of my innocence. I have kept the ways of the Lord. I didn't turn away from God. I followed his regulations. I never abandoned his decrees. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. Therefore, the Lord rewarded me for doing right. And sometimes I don't really like this part because it's kind of like uh, conditional. Sort of like I did this or God only did this because I did that. Uh, I don't like that because, uh, well, even like David saying, I am blameless before God, I have kept myself from sin. Like, 
we just know that's not true. And so, like, how does David say that and then sort of kind of claim, like, God rewarded me for doing right because of my innocence? I, I don't know. This doesn't really connect with me. This is where the theology part, part starts to break down. This is where I have questions. Um, but I did think about this, and we want the benefits of a relationship with God without the responsibilities, in a way. Like, we don't want somebody to say, like, no, you need to follow God. Like, that's not as, a, like, a conditional, but, like, just as a thing of life. Like, you should just probably follow God. And this is kind of getting into the Job friends territory, where they're giving him advice about how he sinned, which caused this stuff. Again, I don't have the answer here. I'm just, this, I'm sharing. Um, sharing what I'm thinking. It's kind of like at work. At work, I would like the status or like the um, influence or like the pay raise for like being, like getting a higher position, but I don't really want responsibilities. Like I don't want somebody emailing me on the weekend to say like, yo, the site's broken or people can't get in or like we charge somebody's credit card $10,000. Like, I want everything that comes with something without any of the responsibilities of it. And I think sometimes we kind of put that on God a little bit too. We want all the peace of God without any of the sacrifice, without any of the choosing him over choosing myself. And the, the way that I kind of reconcile this just a little bit is um, in Acts 12, there's this well, first of all, there's this old hymn that is about Acts 12. And I know the old hymn, so I looked up Acts 12. And in Acts 12, uh, there's this passage about Peter. He's in prison. And it says, Peter was asleep with two chains between two soldiers, and there's a guard outside. Suddenly there's a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter, woke him up, said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists, and they said, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. So Peter left the cell following the angel. And in this old hymn, uh, it says, I, don't, I can't think of it right now. Uh, I have the words, but I can't think of the melody, and I'm not going to sing it. Basically, it's like we can see relationship with God begrudgingly, like, ugh, I have to do this thing. Like, I have to give up the thing that I want in order to get the thing from God. But in this story, it's like, yo, like when you're chained and the things come off, you don't really think like, nah, I'm just going to stay here in the prison cell. Like, I just prefer, it's just easier. It's like, no, when your chains fall off and the door opens, you just leave. You're just like, you're not thinking about it. And I think that that's where we like get stuck is that we think that like relationship with God is so much of us doing the right things versus just accepting the invitation of like, just leave, just like do the thing. Like, 
God's inviting you to relationship, not like commanding you to. He's saying, come with me. I will be your rock. I'll be your shield. I'll be your, all the things from chapter, or verses one through five. I'll be these things. And then we're just like, ah, it's a lot of work, like to stand up here and like walk out of the jail cell. I'm just going to, that's kind of conditional. Like I only get those things if I leave. Uh, so this is in my head trying to think of not seeing these conditions in verses 20 through whatever of I did this and God responded and more of like God offered and I followed. Psalm 18, print it out, underline all the my's and his. Me and God did this. So that's it. That's the devotional. Uh, so the question for us, uh, I don't know what to do about it could be in your own life, the unknown, or even in somebody else's life. I don't know what to do about um, entering into this thing with that person. Um, the invitation is to sit with them. And then the invitation for us in our own life is to look into his word, pray, and then remember his faithfulness and follow his invitation. Let's uh, pray, and then we'll do communion. God, I thank you that you invite us to relationship with you, that we just respond. We don't have to manufacture a bunch of things uh, out of thin air. But we do have to get up and take some steps towards you. So I pray that we would See that as a kind, warm invitation and not as a burden. And I pray that you would give us people in our lives that feel uh, that we can sit with and that are willing to sit with us. In Jesus' name, amen.